Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. Congrats on making it to the weekend. We are going to be covering the Golden State Warriors and their convincing win over the Miami Heat yesterday. We're also going to kind of briefly touch 
on the Miami Heat. And then the team that most people in the comments last night wanted us to do a little bit of a deep dive into this morning was the Toronto Raptors. And so we'll be doing uh, a dive into them on both ends of the ball in their start to the season. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. That's also where I put all of the NBA footage stuff since we have some limitations in our ability to use it on YouTube. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So good win for the Warriors, got back on track. Uh, defense still isn't quite where it needs to be, but they're making progress. They had 108 defensive rating last night against Miami in particular. I'm not super thrilled about that uh, uh, in terms of the rest of the league. That, now they're down to 20th, so I'm sure Steve Kerr is going to really be harping on that. But things are clicking so well on the offensive end of the floor that there's still a lot to be excited about. And here's the thing. Miami's just a pain in the ass. They're never going to quit. They're super well coached. They're going to find ways to make you feel uncomfortable. Jimmy Butler is always a threat to have a big game, especially in a, in a moment that appears like a high-pressure situation, like a road game nationally televised, this time on NBA TV, I suppose. Uh, but in Golden State against the defending champions. Like, Jimmy's just going to play well in a game like that, and he did. And he made a lot of timely shots to keep this game close. Um, you also happen to catch one of those random games. Let's, it's like I swear it's like one out of every ten games. You get Bam Adebayo just super confident scoring the basketball because, like, Bam Adebayo actually has, like, a really nice short-range game. Um, obviously he's not a stretch big. He's not going to consistently make you pay from the three point line, but he is one of the best like short jumpers that you see in the league, like little five foot jumpers, seven foot jumpers, 10 foot jumpers. He actually hit a couple of longer ones in this game as well. But when he really gets comfortable and confident with that shot, he's really difficult to guard because he's a freak athlete. Guys are accustomed to giving him space. He just elevates over the top and can knock those shots down. You guys probably remember game six in Boston last year when the Heat kept that series going and sent it to seven, a similar type of vibe where it was like, it was almost like unrecognizable the level of aggression you were seeing from Bam. So a lot of that kind of led to Miami having a relatively successful offensive night against Golden State. That said, they got absolutely obliterated on the other end of the floor. I think Golden State uh, had about 126 offensive rating in this game. It was actually way closer than it should have been. Golden State shot much better from the field. They shot much better from three. They completely pulverized them on the glass, 50 to 31. Um, specifically, James Wiseman, uh, Kevon Looney, and Draymond Green did an awesome job on the offensive glass. They combined for seven offensive rebounds. Andrew Wiggins, too. Like There are so many times where you're watching and and you don't even see him, and he'll just come flying in out of nowhere to grab contested offensive rebounds over the top. Those plays feel like big momentum plays in a basketball game, too. The Warriors also won points in the paint, 48-34. to 34. This was a destructive, dominant performance that was kept close because of turnovers. Um, you know, this is something that's happened time to time over the years with the Warriors. They just can be a little fast and loose with their offense. Miami too. I mean, they're the, I think they're, you know, I think they're organizationally every bit as smart as Golden State is. They just don't have the talent and they did a really nice job of mixing up man coverages and zone. They've a lot of zone in this particular game. 
Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry in particular are really good at kind of camping just outside of a passing lane and baiting you into thinking that a pass or a swing pass or a skip pass or something like that is open when it's not. And then they'll jump into that gap and, and force a turnover. That is one of their specific strengths. And they, I tell you, Steph and Draymond in particular, there were several times where they were just making simple swing passes that someone would jump the passing. There was one in the third quarter where Draymond Green was bringing the ball up the right side. And before he even got to half court, I, I think it was Moses Moody running along the left wing. And he's just like, oh, I'll, I'll try this skip ahead pass. And Jimmy Butler jumped it or like, Steph Curry, like dribbling at the top of the key, you know, trying to figure out which way he's going to attack the zone. And Clay Thompson is on the wing and he just throws it to Clay Thompson and Jimmy Butler jumps it and gets a steal. Like a lot of just sloppiness. And, and some of that too is just the way Miami plays. They're towards the top of the league and in, in steals again this year, just like they were last year. They're, they're, uh, they're always going to be good in, the, in those areas of the game. And they took advantage of some sloppiness for Golden State and kept the game close. They had 16 steals in this game. But at the end of the day, um, they were obliterated in every single other facet of the game. So even though it occasionally got close, it never really truly felt, felt like Golden State was threatened. And, and so, again, like you're never going to – like I said with these defense uh, details – these changes never happen overnight. You're not going to go from being an average defense to a great defense in one night. You have to build habits, build continuity, build connective tissue. You're training younger defensive players like James Wiseman and Moses Moody to take significant roles. You know, you've, uh, you've got, uh, because of injuries, you've got some unusual guys in the lineup in terms of the rotation. Um, obviously, when Clay Thompson and Draymond Green have their minutes restrictions lifted, you're going to have a little bit less of those guys anyway. So I do think over time you're going to see Golden State's defensive rating tick up, but I'm sure that uh, Kerr's not super pleased at this point. Um, Clay Thompson finally got going in that second half. He made four threes, some big ones too to stop Miami runs. That probably felt good for him after you know after the ejection with Devin Booker. There was a lot of talk, a lot of slander directed towards Clay, a lot of stuff like oh if. Devin Booker switched places with him in his career. The Warriors would be even better and all this kind of stuff. And I think that stuff is completely loaded. Um, there's just so much that you have to get into there. And I think that Klay Thompson's resume is unassailable. He's played so well in so many huge playoff games. And he's a ten, just many, many times the defensive player that Devin Booker is. I think, I think that's kind of disrespectful. So it probably felt good for Klay Thompson to finally get going in that second half and make some big plays in a Warrior win. Um, but I, I wanted to spend some time on Steph. You know, I talked a lot a, a lot about Steph over the course of the summer. So in the early part of the season, I was kind of focusing on some of the other parts of the roster. But the truth is, is he's been one of the most impressive guys in the league to start the season. Among the guys that I had towards the top of my uh, player rankings, Giannis, Luka, and Steph are the ones that are impressing me the most. Tatum's putting up big scoring numbers, and I had him at sixth, I believe, in my player rankings, just kind of an homage to what he did in his playoff run. But Tatum's kind of abandoning playmaking so far in the season, and that is deeply concerning to me because that's such a huge part of why I had him as high as I did. I think he's only averaging like three and a half assists per game, which just goes to show you that he's kind of got his head in the wrong place compared to what his idealized peak version of himself is. Uh, so even though he's putting up the numbers, I don't put him in that conversation 
Uh, KD is putting up uh, scoring numbers, but he's not good enough in the details right now, and his team is suffering for it. Specifically, Luka, Steph, and Giannis are picking up exactly where they left off at the end of last season and playing dominant basketball. Steph is playing with the confidence of a champion, you know, a guy that just clearly got the monkey off his back last year. Not that he had a real monkey. It was just like he had three titles. The first two, everyone pointed to KD, and then the first one, or the last two, everyone pointed to KD, and then the first one, everyone said he got lucky because of injuries. And so this one was like the the unassailable, like you can't you can't undercut this one. This one's for real, and you could tell that confidence is is coming uh, uh, coming out of his pores. Literally, he's just he's just he's just exuding that every game, and he struggled most of last season, if you guys remember, in the regular season. So to see him playing really well in the regular season this year is a good sign. He's averaging thirty one six and six on sixty six percent true shooting. Now remember. In that 2016 unanimous MVP campaign, he had a 67% true shooting percentage and was averaging 30. So he's basically scoring at a higher rate and at about the same efficiency as his unanimous MVP season. He's shooting 50% on 6.4 pull-up threes per game. That's outrageous. He's shooting 49% on 10.2 above the break threes per game. That's completely insane. He's shooting 45% on seven mid to short range attempts per game. So that's the mid range and then everything in the paint that's outside of the restricted area. That's really, really good. And then this is the wild part. And you saw this on display last night against Miami. Steph is looking extremely explosive going to the rim, like as explosive as he's looked ever in his career. And he's shooting 80% in the restricted area on almost two makes per game. Now, if you guys remember over the summer, we talked a lot about this. At the guard position, I want over 60%. And at the, on the, at the wing, if you're a big wing, I want that over 70%. Steph's at 80%, which is just out of control. Um, this is also the first time in his career that he's averaged at least six assists with less than three turnovers per game. He's showing complete offensive mastery on that end of the floor. And it, it almost like reminds me of LeBron in 2018 where I remember, you know, LeBron was always very good, but like in the Miami years, there still was like a little bit of like the production was there, but like you could tell like he, he didn't, he didn't have that overwhelming confidence. And then 2016, 2017, the production reached these insane levels, but it still just didn't quite feel like the, the, the overwhelming confidence. And then there was 2018. And it was like every game you watched LeBron, it was like it just felt like he could get to wherever he wanted, get to whatever shot he wanted. It was complete offensive mastery for him. And I feel like Steph's entering into that phase of his career right now, and it's, it's similar because it was about the same age. I think LeBron in 2018 was like 33, 34. And at this point, Steph is 34. So it's a similar age. You know, it's like mid-30s, you still have a good chunk of your athleticism, like 95% of your peak athleticism with the – uh, basketball IQ that comes from years and years and years of experience. And then your skill set is as polished as it's ever going to be. And then, yeah, when you get into your late thirties, the physical stuff kind of tails off and then you'll start to see some decline. But, but like, man, he's, this might be, this might be the best that Stever, that Steph, <laughs> Stever, that Steph will ever be. This is, this appears like his peak kind of similar to the 2018 season for LeBron. So, Kudos to Steph. Great start to the season. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting season for the Warriors because they're going to have some downsides as they work through their, through their rotation. 
um, trying to build those young guys into usable playoff pieces. And it's going to be a journey, uh, but they're still going to be a pain in the ass, and I wouldn't want to see them in a playoff series. Uh, Miami, they're down to 2-4 and four now. They still can't score the basketball. They're 23rd in offense. Outside of Jimmy Butler, they aren't getting consistent production really out of anyone on the roster. Um, Tyler Harrow in particular is not shooting the ball well to start the year. But the biggest concern is their defense has fallen off of a cliff. Last year, they were fourth in defense overall, fifth in the half court, according to Cleaning the Glass. This year, their half court defense is down to 15th. Now, I, I will say that their schedule has played a big role in this. They've had a really tough schedule to start the year. They had Chicago, Boston, Toronto twice, then Portland, who they actually beat convincingly in Golden State. So uh, schedule has played a role in this, but their defense is not as good as it was last year. This was a concern for us after they lost P.J. Tucker. They're legitimately very thin in the front court and nowhere near as physical as they were last year. The big concern is with the loss of P.J. Tucker, they are getting absolutely demolished on the glass. Like we talked about last night, Golden State out-rebounded them 50-31. to 31. They are 27th in rebounding percentage overall. They're just too small and unathletic on the perimeter, and they don't have enough size on the interior to make up for it. Their aggregate size of most of their good lineups is just not big enough. And look, I, I get that they were one shot away from the finals last year, and so it can be easy to say, like, we're this close, you know? But the reality is, is... is it, this team needs to make a move, in my opinion. They just simply don't have the pieces. And, and, and I think they underestimated how much P.J. Uh, Tucker was valuable to them. Look, I, I, won't, I won't ever count out Eric Spolstra. That would be foolish. I won't ever count out Jimmy Butler. Those guys terrify me in a playoff environment. But right now, this looks like a team that fundamentally doesn't have the requisite physicality defensively and on the glass to compete in an NBA playoff environment. So I'd be pretty concerned if I was a Miami uh, Heat fan at this point. So uh, Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover, limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Last night I asked you guys, because we had been talking a lot of Warriors and Lakers lately. Um, you know, and, and for those of you guys that have been watching the shows, like, look, in our in our thumbnails and in our descriptions, we're going to mention 
Warriors and Lakers. That's just good business. And we're going to mention them at the top of the show. Usually that's just good business. At the end of the day, we're, we're not doing this for fun. I don't work all these hours for fun. We do this because it's our job. And, and, uh, the reality is, is I do want to have as much of a wide ranging coverage of the league as I can. And there were probably like four videos or so that I did since the start of the season, where if you get past that opening segment, I am doing dives into all of these other games. One of the videos, we covered seven games. Another video, we covered five games. So just keep looking in the latter half of the videos. That's where you're going to see the analysis of some of the other teams around the league. But last night, I asked you guys what you uh, what team um, you guys wanted to hear me talk about. And, the, and the, the team that got most frequently mentioned in the comments was the Toronto Raptors. So we're going to do a little deep dive in Toronto right now. So last uh, after they beat Philly on Wednesday, they moved up to three and two. Uh, they got Philly again tonight. We'll see how that goes. Um, they're 15th in offense, 12th in defense, 11th in net rating. Uh, a lot of good on the offensive end so far. Uh, uh, Pascal Siakam has been incredible, 25-9-8 and eight to start the season. He's playing with a confidence that I've never seen from him. In that Sixers game uh, on Wednesday, he was like, it was kind of cool to see him talking shit to P.J. Tucker. And you could tell P.J. Tucker was kind of daring him to shoot. And he stuck one and then, like, ran down the floor. And basically, like, you could tell P.J. Tucker said something along the lines of, like, I'm going to leave you open all night, something along those lines. And then P.J. Uh, or uh, Pascal Siakam was like, okay, bet. Let's see how this goes for you. And the rest of that first quarter, he lit P.J. Tucker on fire with three-point shots. And every time down the floor was letting him know about it. He is shooting 42% on five pull-up mid-range jumpers per game in, co- in combination with shooting 36% from three overall. So that was one of their biggest issues last year against the Sixers, which we'll talk about when we get to that point. But Pascal Siakam becoming a confident jump shooter would go a long way towards helping this team in a playoff environment um, offensively. But overall, that's your biggest bright spot right now on offense is how good PJ Tuck, or excuse me, how good Pascal Siakam looks. One concern, uh, the pull-up three isn't quite there yet, and that's going to be a big one for him, I think, uh, over the course of his career. But overall, he's playing like an all-NBA player on both ends, and that's exciting. Gary Trent Jr. is averaging 20. The biggest thing that would concern me offensively right now is as a team, they're shooting like absolutely lights out from three to a completely unrealistic extent. And I'm sure most of you Raptors fans probably would agree with me watching these games. So check this out. Chris Boucher, Delano Banton, Fred Van Vliet, Malachi Flynn, and Scotty Barnes are all shooting over 50% on catch-and-shoot threes. Over 50%. Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam are all shooting over 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. That's not sustainable. It just simply isn't. Not The best teams in the league aren't going to have uh, the best shooting teams in the league aren't going to have that level of shooting from their role players. Here's why that concerns me. They're already, according to Cleaning the Glass, 24th in half-court offense. So yeah, they're 15th in offense overall, but they're being carried by the fact that they're third in transition efficiency. They run the floor really well, which is going to be a strength of theirs, and we'll talk about how they might be able to weaponize that here in a second. But they are 24th in half-court offense right now with that super-hot shooting. And like, think of it like this. Last year against Toronto in that playoff series, they shot 34% on catch-and-shoot threes. In that series, when they were wide open, meaning defenders at least six feet away, they shot 35%. 
And this year, they're shooting 46% as a team on catch-and-shoot three. So where's the re- are they getting better? Sure. Like, I, Siakam's form look, like, looks really solid and confident. Scotty Barnes looks like he's made improvements over the summer as a shooter. So they're going to shoot better than they did against Toronto last year. Or, excuse me, against uh, uh, Philly last year. I keep saying Toronto. Those numbers I was quoting was against Philadelphia in that first round series. They were 34% on catch and shoot threes, 35% on wide open threes. But uh, they're going to be better than that because of natural improvement of players, but they're not going to shoot 46% on catch and shoot threes. So with them already struggling to score in the half court, when the shooting numbers normalize, that could be an issue. The reality is, is this is a physically imposing team that has gone all in on these huge wings. And there's a lot of pluses that come with that, but they're relatively low in offensive skill compared to the rest of the league. They do run some pick and rolls with guys like Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet, but most of their offense is just Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi picking a matchup that they like and trying to bully their way to the rim. And I typically like that kind of offense, that brute force type of offense, because it translates really well to the postseason. But I usually like that when it's more skilled, like when it's coming from a guy like Luka or Kawhi Leonard or LeBron LeBron James, where it's that physical bully ball mixed with a really high-end offensive skill set. And right now, outside of Pascal Siakam, it's a lot of overwhelming physical talent that doesn't come with the requisite offensive skill to be a team that scores in the half court easily. That, That was... That was why I wanted them to go after Donovan Mitchell this summer, as some of you as some of you Raptors fans remember, or after Kevin Durant. I mean, look, there's a lot in the in the future to be excited about. You know, OG's improving over the years. Pascal's improving. You know, Scotty Barnes is one of my favorite young players in the league. He looks way better. He's going to continue to get way better. Maybe in three or four years, this all pans out great. You look like a top-tier contender and everything's fine. But there's also a universe here where by the time Scotty Barnes gets to the point where he's ready to be the focal point of a championship team, where you lose some of this talent elsewhere on the roster and then suddenly you're not good enough. That was the delicate balance you had over the course of this summer as it pertained to the trade trade market. It was, do you kind of go in on this talent that you have that's clearly missing that offensive centerpiece? Or do you be patient and hope that everyone kind of pans out and they're going the patient route, but here we are in their 24th and half court offense, despite shooting the damn laces off the basketball. And that can be concerning a bright spot. They were third in transition offense first in fast break points scored per game. Uh, That's bolstering their offensive rating quite a bit. They're first in steals per 100 possessions kind of reminds me, you know, the 2020 Lakers that won the title, They were a bad half-court offense, but they were a good offense because of what they did in transition. And all season long, everyone said, well, what if they can slow them down? If you can slow down the Lakers and keep them in the half-court, you're going to beat them. And then guess what? They got a bunch of steals and stops and got out in transition against Portland. And then they got a bunch of steals and stops and got out in transition against Houston. And then they got a bunch of steals and got out in transition against against, uh, Denver And then they got a bunch of stops and steals and got out in transition against Miami. So at the end of the day, if Toronto can play to their style, which is get stops, get out and run, then they'll be fine. But if teams manage to keep them in the half court, they're going to have a hard time winning. It's just the reality. Strangely enough, you know, and I talked, I did a whole video on this in the preseason on Toronto. So you can find it if you dig far back into my Twitter feed. 
Um, but they're still overhelping too much for what their talent really demands defensively. They're 24th in half-court defense, despite having all that length and athleticism. And a huge part of it is they've got all these defensive pieces that you can leave on an island and force offensive players to take difficult shots. But too often, and this has always been a Nick Nurse thing, he's, an, he's a load-up-the-side kind of coach. He's a, if, you're, you know, if you're off ball, you're damn near on the midline every single time. Like, there's always like five defensive players on one side of the court if the ball's on the left wing. He is just an overhelp coach with the personnel that doesn't require that much help. And as a result, they're giving up too many points in the half court for the amount of talent that they have. So, I mean, kind of zooming out. And again, this is all early. All these like characterizations I do with these teams, keep in mind that it's early. A lot can change over the course of the next couple weeks. Philly could beat Toronto tonight and go on a run, and then everything I said about Doc Rivers could be irrelevant. You know, So like there, everything can change quickly. The Lakers have one of the best defenses in the league, so they're 0-4. But if they start shooting better and they keep getting stops, they might just start kicking the shit out of everybody. Like You never know what's going to happen. I had a lot of people go like, oh, Jason, you had this team at you know, you had the Lakers at 13th in your power rankings and they're 0-4. You had uh, Philly at whatever, 5th in your power rankings and they're 1-4, whatever it is. It's, guys, it's early. I'm never going to completely change my outlook of the season based on four or five games, but we do learn things. What did we learn about the Lakers? They're a damn good defensive team. What did I predict this summer? I predicted that they would be a top five defense. They've been a top five defense, okay? Their offense is shooting historically bad. Literally, no team in NBA history has shot worse than the Lakers through four games on a minimum of 80 attempts. I think Tom Haberstroh tweeted that out yesterday. That's not going to sustain. They're going to shoot better. When they do, if they keep getting stops, they're going to be a better basketball team. Me putting them at 13th is not that crazy. Philly still has a ton of talent. They have the second best offensive uh, uh, half-court offense in the league right now. If they figure out some things in their transition defense and in their half-court defense, they're going to start beating teams. Like, it's just the reality. So, in general, I can't stand when people get all, like, in your face about predictions. I won't take victory laps on predictions because I know predictions are a crapshoot. I'm going to be right sometimes. I'm going to be wrong sometimes. If it was easy to make predictions, we'd all be in Vegas making a ton of money betting on games and outcomes, which we all are not doing. We're all, we're all just having fun with it on FanDuel. So that's just the reality of it. Um, I What I'm going to do, though, is over the course of the season, try to learn lessons watching the film. As we learn lessons, we make adjustments. And you'll notice I haven't done a power rankings yet since the start of the season. I'll probably give it another week, probably next Friday, and we'll touch base on some power rankings. And then you know what? We'll give it another couple weeks. And then we'll touch base on some power rankings. But you got to give these teams time to play some basketball. Like Brooklyn's heading into a weak stretch of their schedule. They have five pretty inferior opponents coming up. They could undo a lot of damage to their metrics during that span. The Lakers are still in a tough stretch, but they're going to head into an easier stretch after that. You know, Toronto's been shooting super well. We'll see what happens when they stop making shots. Miami um, has played, you know, Chicago, Boston, Toronto twice, Portland, and Golden State. Like, they, they're due to have some easier games. So at the end of the day, everyone kind of has, like, it's too small sample size to make sweeping declarations. We just learn what we can from teams. And, like, I've learned through watching that Miami's too small. That's just the thing. They're, they're actually too small. They're not going to suddenly have no, uh, no issues with size once they enter a weaker phase of their schedule you know like you're gonna see that the Lakers don't shoot the ball well enough yeah they should shoot better than they have been 
but I predicted before the season they would be the worst shooting team in the NBA. Not this bad, but I predicted they would be bad. That's a personnel weakness. They're going to have to address it at some point. But, hey, here we are, what, 10 days into the regular season. We've learned quite a bit. I'm having fun. We're going to take this weekend off, and I will be back on Monday afternoon covering the weekend's games. I hope you guys all have a fun Halloween, and I will see you after the weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.